Axiom, the tasty truth. Hey there, ladies and germs. Welcome to I Like Your Style with Elder Bryson. We are here with the band Hollow Engine, and uh, they're going to go ahead and chat with us. How's it going, guys? Hey, really good, good man. Right on, right on. So tell us a little bit about Hollow Engine, like the origin story, where you, what what got y'all started, uh, where you come from, etc. Sure. So Robin and I are brothers here. So we grew up listening to a lot of music. Um, our father was pretty instrumental in introducing us to a lot of really cool stuff. Um, so we've been at this for a long time in one form or another. Our other sort of third member, Kevin, I met him in high school. And we've been jamming together ever since. Um, so that's kind of the how we all sort of met there. What does the phrase sex, drugs, and rock and roll mean to you? <laughs> um, gee, Corey, you want to feel that one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a tricky one for Hollow Engine, I think. Our, our stuff is like, I'd say like the music of Hollow Engine is pretty uh, introspective. And um, I think like if we didn't focus a lot on just like the rock and roll part of that, but some of the other stuff, uh, we'd have a hard time uh, being Hollow Engine as we know it. And I think like some of our music is a little bit complex, almost even like proggy at times. And I think that like being able to pull that stuff off really, um, really necessitates a, a, a focus on like the music. And so I'd say we're pretty heavily on that third end of <laughs> end, end of the things there. Oh yeah. yeah. Even the uh, even the rock and roll aspect might require an asterisk. You know, we rock a little bit sometimes. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah. And I've uh, you know, I've kind of discovered you know through playing shows um, that uh, I've kind of like had to really um, limit the uh, the the beer and alcohol consumption because I don't want to <laughs> blow it on stage. You know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think we actually at one point found your like limit. Right. Wasn't yeah, yeah. it like <laughs> can't finish it, like, that second beer? <laughs> yeah. You what need enough uh, to to get you know to get the liquid courage, but you can't you know drink to the point where you're forgetting how to play your part. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah it's a balancing act, but you know uh, after the show, though, you know there's 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 definitely some uh, minor celebration and consumption but before we have uh to embarrass ourselves yeah that's 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 the way to go uh on a scale of one to ten how weird are you guys oh man musically fairly weird uh personally i think i'm a pretty like a high functioning uh weirdo and like maybe (laughs) don't know quite as much as you, you should i hope um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think like part of our music is inherently what we're trying to get at is do something kind of unique and different. So I hope that like musically we're somewhat weird at least. Yeah. I suppose it comes, you know, depends on who you're talking to. Like, I guess on the scale of like music that I really enjoy, I think, you know, we're probably somewhere in the middle of um, the weirdness scale. I remember we played with um, uh, a guy years and years back and, um, you know, we maybe practiced with him once or twice and he kind of had um, the question of like, okay, so when you're putting a song together or you're playing something or not playing something, like, are you asking yourself like, um, why am I doing this? Why am I adding this weirdness or this, um, you know, something out of the ordinary here? And, you know, I, I think, I guess I'll speak for the group here and say, like, I kind of think that, like all of us were kind of on the lines line, along the lines of like, why not? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't we do this? It seems interesting. It's neat. You know? Yeah. I think so. And then like, you know, as you mentioned, that was many years ago. And I think since then, you know, we've obviously evolved quite a bit. And I think, you know, we still very much would say why not rather than why. But I think the other element to the weirdness is kind of like learning how to harness it and control it. Yeah. um, And kind of like direct it purposefully, right? So like one thing that I try to do a lot when writing music is kind of like use weird elements and psychedelic elements to kind of convey a feeling or an emotion. Um, And so I I think that's the other element to this is like, how do you be weird? Like purpose, what purpose, what's the word there? Purposefully. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. So um, what have you guys been listening lately? That's uh, been inspirational to you. Rob, take that one, man. All right. I guess I'm going to feel this one. Um, I'm uh, kind of an obsessive music listener. So um, I am always, always, always looking to, looking for new stuff to, um, you know, inspire me personally and, um, you know, sort of give me pleasure listening at home. But also, you know, kind of, um, I feel like the way I approach my instrument and how I play it is, you know, taking little pieces of what I hear. Um, in recorded music and like finding little spots. I let um, little pieces of it. I like and kind of incorporating in my own playing. Anyway, <clears throat> um, the, the first thing that comes to mind, I guess what has been inspiring me recently, I normally um, sort of my default setting is, you know, sort of uh, mid sixties to maybe late seventies music, you know, sort of on the rock and jazz spectrum and kind of even better, all things that sort of, landed between that or sort of rock jazz or jazz rock but um the thing i'm going to say um that uh inspires me uh, most recently um is this uh band called vanishing twin uh from the uk um and uh they had a record that was released i guess maybe last year um, uh called the age of immunology i think it was called um that's uh, really wonderful that i've been listening to a lot and you know, it has sort of a um, the neat way the LPs put together is like everything's like really interesting and um, very well put together and very well thought up. Um, but there are, um, you know, some only a few conventional quote unquote songs on there. And a lot of it, you know, you're listening to music, you realize, but 
there are so many, um, you know, there, it isn't there avoid conventional song structures and even, you know, conventional approaches to song structures so much that, you know, that I find it really inspiring. Right on. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of similar. Like we definitely like a lot of older music from like the sixties and seventies. So we can talk for, especially Robin. He's, I feel like Robin's like a music historian when it comes to like rock <laughs> and jazz and prog from that era. But like, if we're talking kind of like recent stuff, things that I've found really inspiring, not necessarily in a, in the sense of like taking uh, musical ideas from them or um, kind of like trying to sound like them, but things that I've found inspiring just in terms of like things that make me want to create because they're so good and original. Um, I really liked the sort of latest Deerhoof album that came out uh, pretty recently. And then there was this release from a band called Y Oak, which I thought was really awesome. This like EP that had um, the Brooklyn Youth Chorus all over it. Um, they were kind of commissioned to build this sort of like art piece. Uh, and I thought that was super neat. That is really cool. So what's been your guys' uh, biggest failure as a band and what did you learn from it? Ooh. Tough one, tough one. I, you know, I think failure is always a tricky concept, whether we want to admit it was a failure or not. Um, and it's also tricky, I think, because you learn so much from stuff that didn't go quite as well as it could. But like one thing that's jumping to my mind is, um, some just like experimenting with making your music sound as good as possible. Right. So like we put out an EP in 2017 that I'm super proud of and I think is really cool. Um, and I think like, you know, I think this is a challenge that I think a lot of artists have, like going back and listening to it and thinking like, man, we really should have like mixed this a little bit differently or done something like that. Um, and I think that like one challenge with that is kind of like the vocal delivery and the vocal, the kind of the way we mixed it in, you know, at the time I thought it was really neat to kind of like be blending these different influences. And one of them was this like kind of shoegazy sort of like vocal, uh, sort of performance and delivery, which was really like low in the mix and like going back and listening to it. I, I feel like it's, it, it's not really compelling in, to certain people. Um, and I think it's been a challenge for us to get the word out about it for that reason, even though I think it's super cool. It, that That's kind of a lesson to me in terms of like, yeah. um, just, I don't know, get, making, making your music a, as good as possible and kind of like knowing what it is like in the broader context as it's happening. Right. That's tricky. You know, um, staying true to who you are and what you want to do and what you want to accomplish whatever it is, but also, you know, kind of bearing in mind, you know, more or less, you know, we kind of do this for ourselves, I, I think. And, but, um, you know, we do it because we enjoy it. But at the same time, you know, there has to be an element of if you want to share it with people, you at least have to meet them halfway You know, when it, when it comes to, you know, a listening experience, you know, right. we have, I, I think, um, you know, I think we have, thoughtful lyrics and interesting melodies and like, you know, uh, uh, pretty inspiring rhythmically, I like to think, but at the same time, you know, it, it, if it's too obtuse, people aren't exactly going to flock to it, you know, yeah. it might take you longer 
or it might be more difficult for you to find your audience out there. Yeah, totally. And and I think like building on that even a little bit more, I think that like, you know, I, we're we're not really a band that makes decisions generally based on like what we think is trendy or what people want to listen to. But like sometimes going back to it, it's just like, man, I can't even hear my own like lyrics, <laughs> you know? So yeah, for sure. Uh, so what advice uh, would you guys give to s- aspiring musicians? Uh, I mean, one thing that I have heard from one of my kind of like musical idols and inspirations, um, who's Josh Homme from uh, Queens of the Stone Age and some other musical projects, he always he seems to repeat this thing where he says like, if you're going to do music, that's awesome, but don't expect to make money from it. And I think that's a really um, kind of cool thought um, because so much music is feel to me, at least like feels kind of derivative and kind of feels commercial, even if it's really indie. And I think that like your true kind of like art form and colors can come out when you're actually focusing on doing something, you know, to our last sort of point, uh, you know, something that is interesting and something that's special uh, for you and not for other people. Um, And I think like kind of decoupling finances from that is helpful and um, might, you know, result in having more cool and unique stuff out there. I I totally agree. If I had any advice, I don't know if this is in, in terms of um, in, in what context you mean this, but my ad- advice, whenever I hear, um, you know, our, sort of our musical colleagues out there or just anyone creating music, and I, I just want it to be out there. I just want, when someone creates something, I like, nothing makes me so sad or bummed out or disappointed or whatever, just like half-finished projects that are just hanging out there. That that are I guess I said out there a different but in a different context but like things that are complete or mostly complete or really good ideas that are just sitting on someone's hard drive somewhere I I, I want to hear that stuff There's so many resources like you know Spotify and SoundCloud and Bandcamp All you have to do is put your damn email address in there and you can load your music and people can come upon it. And it's not doing anybody any good if it's just sitting on a hard drive or a cassette tape or a whatever somewhere, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. It's it's hard to watch because there's so many musicians who, like, suffer from imposter syndrome. And, you know, they've got all this great music that they've written that's almost done. And, you know, they're they're afraid it's not perfect enough for anyone to hear. And that's half the time it is. Right. Get it to a, a point where you're at least mostly happy with it. And, you know get it out there for people to hear. And when you have something, you can like, you know, there's something that you accomplished. You know what I mean? It's, you didn't almost do something. You did something. And even if it's not perfect or if it's not, you know, what you'd hoped it to be, there's, guess what? You can just get back on that saddle and make some more. And, you know, odds are it's going to be, you're going to take all the lessons you learned from the first time around and make something even more interesting or compelling or, Exactly. So, uh, speaking of, you know, putting it out there, Spotify, Bandcamp, where's your guys online hub? Like where can people find you on the internet? 
right now we're, you know, we've actually been having a lot of fun or at least I've been having a lot of fun kind of like messing around with Instagram and and putting some content out there. And we've been kind of treating that as like the hub where, you know, we're trying to get the word out about little projects we're doing or the music that we're releasing. And then we can kind of shoot people over to our Spotify or our YouTube channel from there. So yeah, I definitely, you know, recommend checking us out on Instagram and seeing if, you know, the stuff that we're doing is for you. Cause um, you know, there's like weird little like videos and stuff we've been putting on that are, that I think are pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I came across you guys on Instagram. That's, you know, where I found you. And I think the, the stuff you guys are doing is awesome. Uh, you guys uh, recently released on Spotify, a live single um, of your song, Illuminated Pitch Black. Yeah. Yeah, All right. and, um, you know, that was actually kind of conceived of um, as part of a broader project where we filmed a sort of live performance video in our studio here in Brooklyn. And so, yeah, we put that on um, Spotify, but I actually recommend checking that stuff out on our YouTube um, and watching the video because there's some pretty cool visuals. And I think it really, you know, is, is a cool experience that way. That's really awesome. I'll have to check that out. But in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and play that song uh, oh, for for our audience, and then we'll we'll circle back around. All right. Thanks so much.
Hell yeah, guys! That was a that's that's a, that's an awesome track. Um, now there's three of you guys in the band, and that's a live track. But I distinctly hear four instruments. Are you doing like the Getty Lee like foot bass thing or? <laughs> no, so we um, recorded this uh, session with uh, sort of Hollow Engine collaborator um, uh, slash like fourth member called uh, Griffin Novi. Um, so he, um, you can hear him playing that sweet, uh, Fender Rhodes electric piano in there and, and doing some harmony vocals. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the Rhodes. I, I, I wish I had a real one. They're so freaking expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful and infuriating instrument, um, <laughs> but they're, they're, they sure are wonderful to, to listen to. Absolutely. Um, so, so you've got a fourth member. Tell us a little bit more about like the production of that video series and like what inspired you to make it and how you made it and all that fun stuff. Yeah, sure. So, um, we actually kind of put this together, uh, with, in a very different mindset, um, than we kind of had in terms of how it came to fruition and how it came to light and people are kind of hearing it now. And what I mean by that is like, we actually set out to record this like live video um, pre COVID in order to sort of like get better gigs and share it with promoters and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we recorded this thing not too uh, long before everything just shut down. And what we kind of realized was that like, listening back to the audio and like watching the video is like, Hey, this is actually kind of a cool performance of five songs that uh, we haven't released yet. So I wonder if, you know, this is something that we should get out there and expose people to. So it kind of, kind of funny. Like I would say that these tracks are in some of them or maybe all of them are like not really fully formed yet. Right. So like maybe some of them are like 80% of the way there, maybe others closer to a hundred, um, and so I think that's kind of interesting. And so I think people can kind of like watch out for maybe some of these songs to crop up on other releases, um, in the future. Um, in terms of just like how we put this together, we recorded this in our studio in Brooklyn here. Um, and we set up a bunch of security cameras um, to kind of like give us this multi-camera, multi-angle, um, view into the performance, um, and kind of edited it down in, um, you know, in, in video editing software. And I think it's pretty neat. I, I, we weren't really thinking about this at the time, but when I was kind of thinking about the story for this, I was thinking about how a lot of our music is kind of about kind of like isolation and how the kind of like security camera aesthetic, this like sort of grainy voyeuristic thing kind of like lends itself to the themes that we're sort of singing about and playing music to in, in this video where, you know, we're talking a lot about like seclusion and isolation and how there's this kind of like unilateral view into what we're doing there, I think kind of speaks do that in an interesting way yeah totally oh you can hear the 
plane flying overhead there. That's fun. Um, so, uh, where, uh, what you guys are brothers, obviously. So you've you know yeah. known each other your whole lives. So when was the moment that you knew you wanted to start a band together? Well, um, uh, I am uh, a few years older than Corey here, um, and um, I played the drums since I was a kid. And um, my father's a musician as well, so uh, you know there's always instruments laying around. And um, I, I, well, I went off to college, and uh, then uh, after college, I moved to Pittsburgh for a few years. And when Corey was finishing up college, we kind of both, um, you know, when we chat, um, kind of both came upon the uh, realization we were both kind of headed toward in the New York City direction. So um, we both ended up here along with Kevin um, uh, in the beginning, like late 2010, early 2011. And I don't know if it was, there was much of a discussion, Corey might remember this differently, but um, pretty much, you know, I moved in with the, to New York with the U-Haul and my drum kit was in the back of that U-Haul. And um, Corey and Kevin um, had uh, been sharing a rehearsal space way out in Brooklyn. So I dropped the drums off there. I'm sure I, you know, moved in and once I got here and settled in, you know, we all had instruments in the same place and it, it just sort of happened. And, you know, we we're jamming and playing and messing around together. All of a sudden we were making songs <laughs> and then all yeah. of a sudden we were recording those songs and all of a sudden we were seeing who else wanted to play with us and we were getting gigs and that kind of stuff. That's, Sort of, it was it was very organic. I don't know if we've ever discussed like we should be in a band, but all of a sudden we were. You know, when it came to like, what should our band name be, or like, what kind of what are we driving at here, or what do we want to accomplish, or whatever. You know, those discussions sort of happen. But I don't know if it was ever, uh, you know, a question of like, should we or should we not do this? It was always like, well, yeah, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so, what's your guys' favorite curse word? Oh man. Drats is pretty good. Drats, maybe. Yeah, drats is good. Um, drats is heavily underutilized. <laughs> you can take that um, response as being completely ironic or very serious. Either way works. <laughs> I um, I remember clearly. Um, I was um, uh, in the back of my uncle's uh, car with my cousin, and uh, we were driving along, and the car overheated, and we had to pull. Uh, to the side of the highway and to like let the car um, breathe. This is a, 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 a vintage Porsche to really um, paint the picture here. And his beloved car kept overheating. And every time it did, he would say, son of a pup. And we'd have to pull over. And so son of a pup is really, uh, really stuck with me. And um, I don't know where he got it. And you know what? It's probably better that I don't know the story, but. <laughs> I, uh, that's I like wonderful. That. That's a great, that's a great one. That's absolutely delightful. Uh, so the opposite end of that, what's your favorite piece of musical gear? You know what? Um, we were talking about that Fender Rhodes a minute ago, and I got to say, that's kind of like the evil stepbrother to my beloved um, Wurlitzer 200A piano. Ooh. Um. And I think I might have to say that because, um, 
you know, I, I, I'm really into sort of like these vintage electric pianos that, you know, they stopped making generally like back in the seventies. So I, I bought, um, a Wurlitzer electric piano. I think it's like a 1977 model maybe. Um, and I, I didn't know anything about it when I got it and it was, it was in pretty much disrepair. And I, I, I spent like a year probably restoring this thing. And so putting a lot of like blood, sweat and tears into that restoration, I've really bonded with it. Um, and I really love the way it plays and it just feels amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been with me in my apartment here in Brooklyn. Um, and I've written so much of our material on it and it's just a wonderful little, wonderful little guy or gal. Um, I, I love the drums. I've loved the drums since I was a, a kid. That's probably why I chose them. But, um, I really, really like the, the vibraphone. I, I really like, um, I, I don't play the thing. I'm, uh, I'm taking this, uh, COVID time to try and learn a bit of piano and sort of hopes of like driving towards being able to play like mallet percussion stuff. Cause I, I really love the sound of it. And it's not something we hear in, um, popular music very often, but, um, you know, I, I guess there's, you know, quite a bit of jazz that features vibraphones and marimbas and stuff along those lines. But, you know, that, that, the, whatever that sound, I guess it's, you know, pretty close to a road in, in a lot of ways where it's, yeah. you know, middle times being struck by, you know, art, human arms or you know wooden arms inside a piano so you know a little bit of a similar sound but anyway yeah that that um that's music to my ears so to speak i, I love that oh yeah all right so uh that yeah the vibes aren't on popular music a lot but when they are holy shit it sounds great uh yeah <laughs> totally so you know, fantasy time here. You guys, you've made it. You're flying on your private jet to go headline mm-hmm. Glastonbury. You've got That's your nice. record pl- collection there in the plane in your private jet with you for some reason. Uh, the plane's going down. Uh, you have time to grab three records to play on your little coconut powered turntable on the island oh. that you're going to be stuck on the next five years. Uh, what three records are you grabbing? So, do we each get three? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two parachutes. Three records a piece. All right, Corey, you got this one first. All right, cool. I got this. Um, so uh, a really big record for me uh, is Wilco's A Ghost Is Born. For me, um, this kind of like, this was like, I think marked a, a sort of like uh, turning point for me or like a realization where um, I, I figured out that like you could do super weird things in, in kind of like quote unquote popular music. Um, so I remember kind of like stumbling upon that album with Kevin, who's in our band now, like when we were in high school and like, it was at, uh, I think it was a Barnes and Noble or one of those like bookstores. And I remember that, do you remember like they would have those CDs and you could like sample them and, uh, you could hear like certain parts of a song. I remember like clicking on like the number to play this, a ghost is born album and putting on the headphones and this like insane, like guitar solo came on, like something I'd never heard before. And like, I bought that album and it took me a while to get into it, but, um, repeat listens, like really, really kind of rewarded me on that one. 
Um, sorry, this is long. <laughs> no, that's that's no. great. I just I just love that you took me back to those freaking machines where you scan the uh, yeah. like that that brought back so much nostalgia. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Those those were those were fun days. Um, but yeah, a couple more. Um, I really like this jazz album, kind of like contemporary jazz album called um, Landmarks, which is by Brian Blade and the Fellowship Band. Um, they're amazing. This record kind of blends in a little bit of like rock and roll feel into it, I would say like subtly. And um, I think that's accomplished in part by this composer and pianist, John Coward, who plays with them, who's maybe, maybe my favorite pianist these days. Um, That's an amazing album that people should check out. Um, And then there's this pretty obscure album that I found actually pretty recently, like maybe a year or two ago. Um, it's a Brazilian album um, by Beto Guedes. I'm going to butcher these names. Danili Kami, Novelli, oh, yeah. and Tonita Horta. Um, and that thing is pretty, pretty wicked. So yeah, if you're able to figure out what any of those people's names were from how I just <laughs> talked about that, totally go to YouTube and find that album. All right. All right. I guess I'm up. Uh, I guess I'll pick some landmark records for me here. Um, uh, the record that sort of changed how I um, listen to process, appreciate music and sort of like set me on a, kind of a course on like what I wanted to accomplish with my own um, playing um, uh, was uh, third by soft machine soft machines, third record and one um, that is uh, kind of, you know, even the more I think about it achieves this like balance of like really, really like 50, 50 split, at least in my opinion of like loud rock music with interesting jazzy passages and uh jazz inspiration it really splits the difference and but it's like really loud and like really really uh aggressively assertively played and um yeah that's that's probably my favorite record at least that's the one that i think about all the time as being my favorite record um great band name I was actually thinking about Soft Machine and their band name like just a couple days ago. And I was like, that might be like my favorite band name. <laughs> yeah, probably is. Uh, yeah, they took it from a, uh, a William Burroughs book. And they even got his permission in person to, to use it. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. So uh, you can tell I've, I've read a lot about stuff. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. um, what else am I taking with me? Um, um, I guess I will pick a jazz record. Uh, Maiden Voyage is pretty tough to beat, huh? Maybe I'd take Maiden Voyage with me, the Herbie Hancock Oh, hell record. yeah. Yep. I actually thought about that one, so I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> Great, cool. Well, Herbie you know, if we're on the same island with the same coconut, so I guess you can listen to that as well. Uh, yeah, that's a wonderful uh, record. And maybe I'll pick one more rock one. I don't know. Secret Treaties by Blue Oyster Call is pretty great. Maybe I'll take that one. <laughs> like a pure rock record. That uh, they they do a lot. 
uh, I just love almost all early Blue Oyster Cult stuff. Um, anyone listening should give them a, a, a good hard listen. Their their first three or four records are just great. But um, they do this really cool thing that um, I'll say right away that Hollow Engine does not do. But they do this like weird, like um, weird cryptic self mythologizing thing. Again, we don't do this at all, and I don't think that's ever a direction we're going to go. But uh, they're like way, like really clever, interesting, um, cryptic, bizarre lyrics with like hard rock posturing. But it's all sort of like tongue in cheek a goof, except they really do rock that hard. Except it's all kind of kidding. It's a weird vibe they have, but man, uh, I never get sick of listening to that uh, secret tree. That's a, that's a good yeah, it's good stuff. Right on. So, uh, yeah, and Blue Oyster Cult, I guess I need to get more into them because I only know the hit. So uh, that's that's probably some, uh, some, I'll have to check those albums out for sure. Can't go wrong, yeah. First three records, at, at, in, in, yeah, are really, really good. And, and they have like sporadic stuff that I really like as well after that but man can't go wrong with this all right sweet thanks so what do you guys typically write about lyrically yeah that's a good one so um i think like actually if you think about the name of the band that's kind of a an evocative um sort of like sign of what we discuss lyrically um and i think like the, the the phrase hollow engine to us and Robin and I kind of came up with this together some years ago. Um, to us, it actually kind of had a meaning or to me at least where, you know, you're talking, I think it kind of evokes futility um, and like really striving towards something that's just really difficult to, to accomplish. And so a lot of our lyrics, you know, I don't want to box ourselves in here, but a lot of what we talk about is kind of like, the human reaction to um, the really sort of advanced technology um, and contemporary society that we've built around ourselves and some, and how that's sometimes really at odds with like what we're trying to do sort of in, inherently or innately as, as people or humans. Um, and there's, there's a lot of inspiration for songs there, man, I'll tell you, because uh, I would say, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but contemporary or modern life is, is, is difficult. <laughs> uh, you know, working, working your job, trying to, trying to get everything done. Um, you know, be like social media encroaching on you as a, as a person, uh, distractions of the technological sort. Um, and then I would say like, you know, there's a lot of stuff about, um, you know, other people as well, just kind of like relationships, um, taking into account the sort of like stuff that I've already mentioned. Um, just because like, you can't write about technology, uh, for your whole career. It's <laughs> not a very compelling, like <laughs> topic by itself. So, yeah, I mean, I would say like the songs are re really like these little like thought, um, thought experiments or like little moments of emotion rather than stories dealing with like humans and, and the technology and society that we find ourselves in. Yeah. I can get a hundred percent behind that. Cause yes, modern life is fucking difficult 
and uh, that's that's not touched on enough because there's a lot of things that are easier, right? Like, you know, you don't have to have 17 kids because half of them are going to die and you need them all to work from your farm, you know, on the one hand. But on the other hand, like, yeah, there's so much fucking more complexities. So, yeah. um, Yeah, and like you're, I think a lot about how like, our minds were not really built to do a lot of the things that we find ourselves doing. And, you know, maybe I'm in a little bit of a bubble, but like my existence, a lot of the time requires just like extremely divided attention and like intense multitasking. Um, And like, that's really not the way we've like sort of like biologically evolved. (laughs) And I feel like there's a lot of, at least for me, kind of like difficulty in, uh, dealing with that stuff. Um, and that song that we sort sort of, that you played the illuminated pitch black song is actually kind of related to a lot about that stuff. There's, there's like elements of just kind of like trying to get through the day until you can like get, uh, you know, immerse yourself in like consumption of media and content and kind of like addiction to, um, to content. It's like a serious issue that, people you know deal with these days it is and i i love the ox, oxymoronical nature of it too illuminate it, it i get it <laughs> sure, um, yeah. so hot takes time uh, i know oh, both okay. of you guys have a, an unpopular opinion that you know is true look hit, hit me with them oh the Wurlitzer is better than the roads Ooh. <laughs> man i'll take issue with that right here <laughs> From a player's perspective. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I can, I can get, I, sure, I guess. <laughs> I, hey, man, you asked me for an unpopular yeah. opinion. I didn't ask for you to agree with me. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I don't know if I truly feel that way, but uh, it, it's a, it is a wonder to play a Whirly uh, and not so much to play a Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I can't argue with that, actually. You're, you're, you're not. I, I don't know that you're you're wrong, but I, I wonder how much of that also comes from the uh, the time that you put into restoring it too. Well, we could, we could go down a whole rabbit hole <laughs> and nerd out on this, and, and I'll I'll spare everyone. But <laughs> the, the action in in a Wurlitzer is much more sort of complex and much more like a a, a regular acoustic piano, and um, it makes it just like a little bit more, uh, I don't know. The action just feels better. <laughs> How about you, Robin? I'm, I'm struggling to come up with an unpopular opinion. Um, I don't even know if I have many popular opinions to draw. draw <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I popularity is a tricky one. Like, I don't, I, I feel like we don't even really deal much with like pop, popular stuff like like popular music i don't really know what's going on there do you no do, do, but bryson do you uh, oh <laughs> do you have, I, like, your, I, your, I, your, I i'm nothing but unpopular opinions um yeah so uh i don't know um which which one to you know I think the best unpopular opinion that's ever come out on the show, though, is one of our guests uh, said that he's not convinced that the shape of the earth is what the official story is. So, oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. 
Um, I don't know if I'd subscribe to that. Here's what, all right. Uh, I'll go this direction. I think a hot dog's a sandwich. Okay. All right. It takes like one little, little, uh, tiny piece of bread holding the, the two halves of the bun together. That isn't going to stop that from being a sandwich. No. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's meat. It's two pieces of bread. Mostly. That's that's where I'm coming down on that one. I'm a I'm I'm a sandwich essentialist. That's that's a that's a hard line you're taking, and we we thank you for it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, I hope there aren't listener call-ins for some of these. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're what's gonna, the best show you guys have ever played? Oh yeah, you know, one actually stands out to me, um, Rob. I don't know how you felt about this one, but yeah, yeah. We played a gig at this local kind of like dive place in Brooklyn called uh, Hank's Saloon. Oh, yeah. And I think that place has since kind of like gone under, but it's this real wild place. It's like from the outside, it's like completely black with like flames all over it. Um, And, you know, real just like divey place. And I was skeptical about whether we should play there. It's like, is the sound going to be any good? Like are people going to connect with us in this place? Like we're not really like like this. Like we don't wear like, you know, (laughs) we don't ride like motorcycles, like stuff like that. But um, we got up on this little tiny stage and it just, everything clicked. Everything sounded really good. Um, I remember like, ripping some guitar solos that I felt really good about at the time. And there was a, there was a big crowd there for some reason. I don't know why, but it just felt good. Yeah. And a bunch of people just like enjoying your stuff. Yeah. Stars aligned. Yeah. There were a ton of folks there and um, those dive bars are just great. You know, it's one of those like kind of long and narrow cinder block, lowly low lit places. And, you know, there were folks, everywhere just kind of there to dig loud music and we delivered you know at least it, it felt like we did oh yeah i love dive bars that's 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 a beautiful a beautiful moment when you can do that when you can get you know some strangers to connect to your music right yeah man on a, i'm also remembering this is the place where uh robin and i met up at this place completely separate time probably a couple of years later and I had just come back from Italy and uh, they asked me what I wanted at the bar. And I, I, <laughs> I asked them like what type of uh, Amari they had back there. Cause I had just <laughs> been like cruising around Italy <laughs> and, I, and I realized, question, man, really, yeah. I'm in, I'm in the wrong place to be like <laughs> being really critical a, a, about like what types of uh, liqueurs they have back there to sip on. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I I can imagine just riding a Vespa around Italy and just drinking all the Aperol spritzes. Um, <laughs> yeah, good times. Oh yeah, come so, back to the, the Bud Heavies and the Bud Lights, which you know, are tasty on their own. Right, can't go wrong. Uh, so, if you guys were me and you could step into my shoes, what question would you have asked yourselves that I didn't? You know, I think there's a, what I really like to talk about is kind of like the 
aesthetics of things and kind of like maybe even like the genres and stuff and like what, what types of stuff you hear in, in the music. And so if I can, like, I'm actually kind of curious to hear like what, what you kind of hear when you listened to, you know, this, whatever of our uh, songs that you've, that you've exposed yourself to. So maybe illuminated pitch black, for example, like what types of influences and stuff do you think are in there? Do, do I think are in there? Oh man. Yeah. Um, that's, that's tough. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, sorry to turn the tables on you, man. No, you're, you're good. (laughs) Uh, let's see. I mean, the, my kind of first, uh, throw to that is I I hear a little bit of, and it might just be the roads, but uh, I hear a little bit of the doors. Mm, All right. Yeah, that's cool. You might be picking up on some of that like psychedelic stuff from the '60s that we love, you know. Yeah, yeah. Griffin to thank for that Doors action in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of what I'm getting. But you guys have a very unique style. Like it, it feels like kind of like a mix of uh, of various like yeah, like psychedelia from the '60s and '70s, like we've kind of talked about. Um, with a, a little bit more of a modern vibe, um, just in terms of like you know recording production techniques, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot there, and I can't really pinpoint you know much in terms of like specific in- influences because there's definitely a lot. I have one. Corey, can I answer? Yeah. This is an un- uh, This is going to be a kind of bleed into the unpopular opinion. I've said this at band practice once and nobody likes to hear this, but I think this is a compliment. I think I hear some sound guard. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 That's cool, man. No, I I can hear some of that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like it. It definitely not in like the instrumentation or the timbres, but I feel like, you know, there's a rock riff in there that, that kind of reminds me of like a super unknown era sound garden thing. And, uh, you know, I, that song, I feel like that doesn't sound like a lot of our other tunes. It, you know, we don't have a lot of like rock riffs yes. in, in our stuff all that often, to. but that one definitely has some rock riffage in it. And I feel like yeah. that maybe who were, uh, maybe it's, we're channeling that a little bit, or maybe, you know, probably me unconsciously pushing in that direction, or maybe it's just like convergent evolution where, uh, you know, both us and Soundgarden arrived at sort of a sort of a similar, uh, you know, to- totally independent of one another. You know, kind of how we're um, everything's evolving into crabs, which I'm reading in the news. Um, you know, maybe everything's just evolving in the Soundgarden. <laughs> yeah, you know, dude, I'm actually I actually really like that you said that. Like, I think it's brings up part of the interesting part. aspect of our music, which is that yeah. like we like we grew up like listening to a lot of stuff in the nineties when like alternative rock was huge. And so like, I think one sort of like defining characteristic of our sound at certain times, at least like certain songs is like this weird kind of like identity crisis of like, well, I grew up listening to all this alternative rock and I want to have nothing to do with it. Like, I don't want the music to sound anything like that, but like how, so like, like 
hollow engine a lot of times when I write music is like me actively trying to suppress like sound garden type stuff. <laughs> and then, right. And so like, that's why I write a lot of music on piano and like electric piano and stuff. But man, every once in a while, it's like that guitar riff just feels and sounds too good. You just got to do it. Too good. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I can, I can totally relate that because I, I, I feel a very strong urge when I'm writing music to like suppress my, you know, early punk influences. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you, can, you can't totally escape, you know, where you came from. You know? No, yeah. you can't, nor should you. you can, no, nor should you. Just acknowledge. Right on. All right, well, do you guys have any uh, final words for our audience? Thanks if you made it this far. Uh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how you did. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with our weird rants. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I hope that you've enjoyed this discussion and, uh, hopefully, you know, you can go check out our music. Um, I think that there's a lot of content out there to choose from these days and a lot of stuff you can put on in the foreground or the background. And, you know, it would be really cool if, uh, you had, you head over to, you know, some hollow engine places and go check out some of our music, uh, even if it's, you know, in the background. Yeah. I said we make this stuff for us, but, you know, we make it for people to listen to as well. And that's kind of like our whole yeah. aim for, for, you know, talking to you here and, and, you know, making all this music is for people to hear it. And hopefully someone relates to it. Yeah, well, I did. So hopefully some, some of the people that I know that, you know, will, will too. So, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. And I like your style. Thanks, man. Thanks, Appreciate dude. it.